What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual. Visit the brand new beautiful website, OkanaganZ.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at OkanaganZ and at Wiley Writer. How is things in the beautiful valley today, David? Things is good, my friend. Just enjoying the sunshine. This is my favorite time of year season-wise. It cools down at night so I can sleep nicely and it's just hot and sunny during the day. I mean, does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't. Yesterday felt like a really warm late September day uh, here in Edmonton. So I hope we get that uh, nice hot uh, sunny uh, September and uh, even into a little bit uh, of October. I, I don't know what it was like for you, but growing up in Manitoba, whatever costume I was for Halloween was always the fat version because you had to wear so many layers. <laughs> so it'd be nice for kids to actually have a warm Halloween, uh, depending on what's going to happen with COVID-19 and Halloween this year. It's true. Some people are saying that it might be postponed. I like the idea of, um, you know, like, Basically, the kids go by your lawn and you throw candy at them. So I'd, I'd be down with that. Yeah, it uh, will be interesting. All right, let's jump into our first story. And we've touched in the past about different celebrities uh, getting into the cannabis industry on different level levels. And uh, the, uh, the e-commerce startup Dutchy has raised a ton of cash. And, and this is a system that I know Fire and Flower uses and some other retail stores uh, use. And it's also attracting some pretty big names. This is huge. Uh, cannabis e-commerce platform Dutchie pulled in $35 million in new funding. And like you mentioned, that's from some pretty heavy hitters in business, including the Starbucks founder. Uh, this is an Oregon-based company. They've got hundreds of retail stores and now that, they, uh, that are part of their system. And that's in cities throughout Canada, including... Um, a lot of provinces, if not all of them, as well as a bunch of parts of the U.S. And uh, so Howard Schultz, founder of Starbucks, and Thrive Capital, um, who's invested in Spotify, Instagram, Slack, um, you know, some of the big names they've announced are joining on as funders. And uh, Snoop Dogg is an investor. Back from 2018, he saw the promise in this company, and uh, they're saying that they're going to take this new, uh, new cash and really try and um, scale up quickly, try and make sure that uh, the, the different retail stores that are part of uh, their infrastructure and the e-commerce system, you know, they list menus and uh, and help them out with, uh, with the sales points and that sort of thing. Make sure that they've got, uh, you know, basically service that is continuing to keep up with demand and uh, keep up with the changes in the industry. And they have been many. Uh, you know, the pandemic has created a world in which cannabis has become an essential service and uh, also in a world where we really are trying to limit contact. So what does that mean? I mean, with legislation, it means that uh, we're becoming a little more um, lenient with how these sales are taking place. And that means that online e-commerce is becoming a big thing. And in a lot of provinces right now, you can make those sales online, come into the store and pick it up. And that's generally done through e-commerce sites uh, and e-commerce platforms like Dutchie. Yeah. This is, um, I think this is the, the future of cannabis. And when delivery 
eventually gets here. I mean, door-to-door delivery, not from your provincial retailer. Delivery like pizza with cannabis gets there. These are going to be even more important. Uh, You mentioned uh, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, formerly of Golden State, and his 35 ventures uh, getting involved. So the industry is attracting more people. And I don't know about you, but this is how I uh, buy my cannabis from now on. Like before, it was... I would drive to this store. Do you have this? I would drive to this store. Do you have this? Now I do it from my phone, my computer. I place my order, uh, click and collect at Nova. Other places have these systems set up as well. You, you show up and your order is ready and you're out. You're, you have minimal contact with people. And that's the goal right now. And so this is uh, a no-brainer for me uh, for pe- keeping people safe, but also for you know, wait, not wasting your time driving from store to store if you live in a big city. Yeah, it's really convenient. And you can tell just by how fast this company has grown. Hmm. 2017 started off with three local dispensaries there in Oregon. And, uh, you know, now we're into 2020. And they've got uh, 1,300 stores in 32 markets. Wow. Uh, with Dutchie now processing 10% of all legal cannabis transactions in the world. That's amazing. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's it's how everybody should be shopping. You can see the whole menu and you can go from there. All right. Uh, you know, since legalization in Canada has taken place, one myth after another has uh, started shattering from the anti-cannabis crew. I mean, <laughs> there's no riots. Uh, people aren't burning buildings down after smoking a joint or jumping off buildings after smoking a joint. Reefer madness has not <laughs> taken over our country. And we're starting to see more and more studies like the one we're going to talk about today. Goodness, the, the ridiculousness that has just melted away you know, from the reefer madness days. And uh, here we've got yet another study. And this latest one here says that uh, post-work pot smoking doesn't affect your job performance. Basically, being high at work, yeah, that does affect you. You come into your job, you know, you're high off your rocker. Absolutely, you're not going to do things as well as you would if you were sober-minded. But when it comes to going home after hours, and indulging in cannabis, well, that has absolutely zero effect whatsoever on your job performance. So, you know, just boot out those old stereotypes that, uh, that cannabis makes you lazy um, because it, it, it doesn't. And that's what this study here goes to, to shore up. It finds that when you go home, um, it's actually to the point where it is generally accepted as beneficial, particularly the researchers in this study note if you are working in a high-stress, high-pressure kind of job, when you go home after work, if you are able to partake in cannabis, particularly across Canada where it's illegal to go home now, just the same as you know having a glass of wine, then that will actually help prepare you for the next day at work because you're calmer and you're able to take some time the night before just to unwind and deal with some of the stresses. And this is a, it, it's been published in uh, the group and organization management journal. And uh, the researchers here, they're two, they're from the U.S. Uh, one is from the San Diego State University and the other from Auburn University in Alabama. The study involved 281 employees and their direct supervisors. Once again, an awesome opportunity that's been created by this new wonderful world that we live in where cannabis studies can be done um, 
by, you know, top of the line um, researchers, uh, top of their field without the limitations that we had when, when the stigma was there and people just did not want to be associated with. So I can't wait to see the other kinds of things that come out of this. And the researchers here also allude to that fact that there more studies need to be done and they're very excited about what's going to come out of this. Yeah, 100%. And uh, by no means am I saying right now that uh, you should get high and go to work because 90% of the places uh, would not allow that. There are a lot of jobs where you should not be high at, but there are some employers out there that have a unique sort of uh, brand or whatever it is that I do know some of them that allow uh, their, the, you know, their employees to go out on a break and, you know, like the, it's a different kind. Like we're not talking about forklift uh, operators or construction <laughs> workers here. We're talking about in an office environment because there's a lot of people. Listen, uh, you know, my guest last week, David Krantz, we talked about your DNA and cannabis affects everybody differently. There are some people that are very productive uh, uh, when, when they use cannabis, uh, you know, I do a lot of my creativity and a lot of my work using cannabis. So by no means am I saying go get high and go to work. But if your employer, uh, or some of those open-minded employees in the certain work and setting, you can get some interesting productivity. And listen, I'm not talking about hot boxing in an office for three hours. So you're stoned to the bejesus. I'm talking about just getting the creative juices flowing every once in a while. So it certainly does help with productivity, but getting too high is obviously going to affect your productivity getting high off work hours that certainly has obviously this study uh, no impact uh, on production creativity is definitely something that a lot of studies have found it, uh, is enhanced by cannabis and you know the bottom line for these researchers was that ultimately organizations and governmental bodies need to present evidence in favor of their beliefs uh, in, in favor of substance policies. And, you know, that's the key word here is that evidence needs to be uh, brought about and that's what needs to be, um, you know, really governing these kinds of things. Right. And and attitudes may be changing. I mean, uh, as we, we weave into our next story, we're talking, as we did uh, recently, about the Biden administration, what they will do if Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris are, are elected in November. They have said on the record, decriminalization will happen. Now, there's a actually, actually, I'll just get your thoughts on that and then we'll get to maybe the difference between decriminalization and legalization in a second. But this is something we were um, hoping at least would happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the distinction is decriminalization and legalization, what, what that's going to look like. Um, but like you alluded to, here we are in a position where we have uh, what could very well be the next U.S. administration, saying that people don't need to be in jail over cannabis. Um, so just that right there is going to make tremendous changes. And yeah, why don't uh, why don't you explain the difference between decriminalization and legalization? Because that is something that I actually had to look up, uh, even though that's the question that we face here in Canada too. Yeah, well, from from what I understand, and and by no means am I a lawyer or do I play one on a podcast, but decriminalization <laughs> is like I guess you're you're kind of like just loosening the rope on regulations. It's almost like. Uh, 
you know, the, those imposing the law, police officers or whatever it might be, kind of look the other way when it comes to personal cannabis use. And, you know, if, if you are caught, you're getting a fine, like you would uh, a speeding ticket or jaywalking instead of going to jail and, and getting criminal charges. That's what I understand uh, as far as decriminalization, whereas legalization is lifting uh, prohibition and what we see here, opening stores, selling it real illegally, going through a process. So those are the the differences. And, you know, I think decriminalization is least a start because you're, you're basically saying, yes, you can have uh, weed for personal use, but it's kind of like Amsterdam. Uh, it's legal to smoke it. It's legal to buy it, but it's not legal to uh, for us for a cafe to get it. So they're saying, yeah, you'll be able to use it for personal use. Um, you know, the cops will look other, the other way, I guess, in, in those situations, but uh, you won't be able to go buy it in a store. So I don't know where you're going to get it. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a weird gray area decriminalization. It's, it's such an in- interesting distinction right now, too, especially for companies in Canada that are looking to expand to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of them. I mean, Canopy, uh, of course, wants to get into the U.S. market. Supreme is, is poised. Um, Afria, like a lot of these big companies are looking to the U.S. market. And if, if you're not creating a federal law that will govern all the different states, that tends to leave it to a state-by-state regulation, which is what Biden has alluded to, is that this is going to be left up to a state-by-state kind of process to see how, where they want to stand uh, on it. And that's going to be fascinating to see it roll out. One of the big things that's happening here is that Biden, too, says that he wants to make it easier to conduct research, something that we've just spoken about. And uh, that would involve rescheduling cannabis as a Schedule II drug. Mm. And right now, cannabis is along with heroin and LSD, so it's classified as Schedule One under the Controlled Substances Act. And that means that it basically has no currently accepted medical use under federal legislation and a high potential for abuse. So bringing into a Schedule Two section, um, that would bring it into drugs like cocaine and meth. Yeah. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. Because there's medical uh, so benefits for them. Exa- well, having you know still a high potential for abuse and uh, may lead to severe psychological and physical dependence is what they say. But Schedule Two drugs does allow uh, you know accepted medical uses, and I think that that's been pretty firmly established by a lot of the research that's been done both in Canada and the U.S. So, like you said, a step in the right direction, but we're not there yet. Yeah, take a picture of somebody who smoked meth for five years and take a picture of somebody <laughs> who smoked cannabis for five years and tell me what sort of medical benefit there might ever be for meth or, or cocaine. But that's that's down another rabbit hole that we unfortunately uh, don't have time with. I want to just quickly get into a story about Colorado or America's Amsterdam, as I call them, um, they now have uh, these vending machines that are popping up. And, and this kind of is along the lines with the first story we touched on with Dutchie about, you know, you some people just want to go in and out and get their thing. These vending machines that are popping up in Colorado, something to watch as far as to see if they show up in Canada as well. It's an interesting little trend and it makes sense. And, you know, the, the, I, COVID-19 world where we're trying to to limit that face-to-face interaction. And these are popping up at the the Strawberry Fields Cannabis Dispensary in Colorado for machines. 
And uh, they basically saying that they ensure customers get the products without seeing a human's face, which sounds so weirdly dystopian now that I say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, this really is a new development in the industry. And it goes towards what we've been talking about with normalization. You see something being sold in the vending machine. And uh, it, it adds to it a certain sense of, yes, this is something that's here. And it's something that needs to be offered in a way that's convenient. Um, you know, we've seen cannabis become an essential service. And here's just another convenient way to provide it to people who, uh, who want it slash need it. Yeah, the the only concern I had when I was thinking about this is, you know, obviously cannabis getting into the wrong hands because it's a vending machine, but it's not like these are on street corners. Uh, These are inside stores where you still have to show valid identification to be able to use it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So it's just a a way to um, keep you from having to go all the way up to the counter. And and again, making that face-to-face interaction a little bit limited. I hate to say it because we love to be friendly and talk to people, um, but this is the world that we live in. Our bubbles are smaller. Yeah, and there will be a time again where we will be able to uh, actually have uh, fun conversations. Okay, let's this uh, final story. Um, to me, kind of the, the headline for this story is uh, dog bites man sort of thing. Like, I'm going to put on my surprise face that illicit pot still dominates after two legal years. And the reason I'm saying this is I, I don't know who thought that in two years legal cannabis <laughs> would overtake illegal cannabis. I mean, this is sort of obvious. And, and I think the thing that gets overlooked is that the amount of people using legal cannabis has doubled. That's a good thing. I think the, I think the headline is it has the wrong focus in this story, in my opinion. It's so funny. We didn't even talk about how, you know, we were going to, to discuss the story and we both arrived at the same conclusion <laughs> that basically Bloomberg has taken the wrong stance on this. I mean, we're about to hit a milestone here. There's a 50-50 split now. We're two years on, and already the the black market is um, down to 46% of total use in Canada. And, you know, I bet it's already beyond that. So we're, we're on the verge here of an inflection point is the way I see it, and all signs are there. So the legal price is cheaper. We're talking about less than $4 a gram now in the legal market. The quality is fire. And we have legal growers that are really jumping ship. They're starting to take advantage of that one-time declaration that lets them grandfather in their genetics and become part of the legal industry. Like, come on, guys, there's lots of room on the boat here. So we're coming up to October 17th, milestone date of the second anniversary of legalization. And, you know, already we've been making some huge strides. And remember that the Cannabis 2.0 really is so much in its infancy right now. We're finally starting to see more of the concentrate products come on the market. And we're seeing some really cool stuff. We're seeing drinks and chocolates and teas and, you know, whatever else. So this is this is really a good news story. And, uh, and it's great to see that things are improving in the, the legal marketplace. And that's starting to become something that's really mainstream knowledge. This is the equivalent of saying... Holy mackerel, I'm two days into my diet and I haven't lost 50 pounds. Like, it's so silly to sit there and say, 
two years in, the black market's still dominating. Well, first of all, I don't think the black market is dominating anymore. Uh, And and secondly, it's two years. I just, I don't get it. I mean, listen, there's a cannabis shop in in St. Albert here where I live, Uncle Sam's Cannabis. I went in there the other day. They had an ounce for less than $100. How do you Mm -hmm. tell me? I've, I've never, ever seen on the black market an ounce of good cannabis for less than $100. Maybe I've always paid too much. I don't know. But I I think that legal cannabis in a short time has taken a sizable bite out of the gray, black, illicit market, whatever you want. And, and I think that's the part that should be celebrated instead of saying, oh, you guys, you know, the legal market's not catching up yet. Well, no kidding. I, 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 I can't believe we actually didn't discuss this and, and we came out on the same side because, you know, like there's, <laughs> and, and the other thing is the amount of accessories that we're seeing now too, that, you know, before, if you wanted to do a dab, well, you were getting out your torch and everything. Now you have push push button items. So the legal market in Canada, I think, uh, while it's it's you know, only taken a few steps forward, they've been giant steps, in my opinion. They've been huge. Bringing it back to the first story uh, that we talked about with Dutchie, I went on to their site to check it out, and they have one of the... Um, non-licensed stores in their system showing the menu and they also have a licensed store out here where I live uh, in the menu and I compared prices and you know what the legal side came out remarkably cheaper yeah well said David thank you again Uh, some really interesting stories that uh, we got to sink our teeth into check out okanaganz.com and make sure you give them a follow on twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Ryder. Thanks again, David. Enjoy the sunshine. Always good to talk to you, my friend.